it's really supposed to be a time where we just kind of celebrate Jesus' birth. And we've made it so complicated and we've added so much to it. A lot of it's just stress, you know. Half of the stress, at least as I see it, is um, figuring out what you're going to buy, you know, your loved ones and your people. I mean, because most of the time at some point, um, they have everything except for, you know, like my, my family, they ask, that they do Christmas, birthdays, Father's Day, they're always asking, can you get the, we get lights on in here? I can't see everybody. Um, and there we go. Let there be. I'm glad you're out there. <laughs> From up here when it's dark out there, it's just, I can, I can see the ones who have their phone and they're looking at it. It's reflecting off their face, but everybody else, you know. It's, I, I can read on their forehead, says, what are we doing for, di- for lunch? You know. But, um, the, the present thing, you know, is kind of like, the, what do you do? What do you get? You know, and, and it's hard. Because especially as you get older, you, you kind of have everything. I mean, you know, you can get me a new Ferrari or something. I, but, you know, and that's why they have these, they've always, every Christmas, they come up with these, like, what you get for the person who has everything. You know, like the, you know, going back is like the Chia Pet and, and uh, the Pet Rock. You know, everything's got, now though, uh, they're a little bit more technical. They, they're using technology as those gifts. One of the gifts um, I saw is um, you can use your phone or you can ask Alexa to start your car. Did you see that one? The, they say, Alexa, start my car. I'm afraid Alexa's going to go for a ride in my car. <laughs> I'm not going to get that one. But, but it, it kind of, it's that. And then the fact is, we want stuff. I mean, this is not just Christmas presents. We tend to want things that we never, you know, that later on we don't want. I mean, a lot of the things we have to have are things later on we not only didn't have to have, but it was really a bad thing that we got them. And we do that in our life. We make choices based upon, you know, the momentary desire, I have to have this, and we throw away sometimes our future because I have to have it now. And that can be a thing or some things that can be a person. There are so many ways in which we do that in life and, and uh, really mess things up. Not getting the right gift. Getting the right gift is really important. And uh, so this series I'm, we're, we're going to do for the next, until Christmas time is a Christmas gift you can really use. One a Christmas gift you can really use. One you're not going to, you know, toss away later on, but it's very, very valuable. I remember as a kid, and only a few of you will know this one. Um, there's only a couple of you would remember this. But when I was a kid, I remember for Christmas, I wanted, here it was, it was called a Stingray Bicycle. And it had the banana seat. You, like that was the thing. And a couple of you are identifying, some of you young people are just staring at me. So what, um, but it was, it was like the hot bike at the time. And I remember I had asked my parents for it, you know, and, and, uh, 
and it was raining, and my dad took me, he says, come here. And he took me to the backyard, and it was raining, and laying in the middle of the backyard, in the rain, on the ground, was my bike. And he says, what would make me think that you would value a new bike any more than you valued the bike that I got you before when you wanted it? A lot of times that's the way we operate, right? We get things that we so needed, you know. We say, that's what I always wanted. And then, actually, it isn't what we always needed or always would want. And, but there are some things that God wants to give us that you'll never, you'll always value. And today, I want to talk about restful faith. I want everybody to say restful faith with me. Restful faith. Restful faith. We're going to take a look in Acts chapter 12 is where we're going to talk about restful faith. Um, And the story or the background here is, you know, Christianity is starting to grow pretty rapidly in, in Israel and in, in Jerusalem. And, and uh, as it's starting to kind of expand, grow, the Jews are really um, wanting to oppress it. They want to stop the growth of Christianity. Um, many of their people, leaders, have become Christians. And so the, re- the religious sects especially want to crush Christianity. And Herod, King Herod, wants to be on the side of the Jews or wants the Jews to like him. There's political clout in that in the Roman Empire for him to have that. So he wants to please them. So he starts to arrest some of the Christians. And then the scripture says in verse 1, Now about the time Herod the king stretched out his hand to to harass some of the church, Then he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. Now, that probably meant he he was beheaded. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And, uh, and, And because he saw it please the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. And that was during the days of unleavened bread. So when he had arrested him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover. So it happens to be at Passover time, the Passover celebration. Herod wants to give the appearance that he kind of, you know, supports the Jewish holidays, Passover, unleavened bread. It's really all one. The the unleavened bread uh, feast is through Passover, unlimited bread, and, uh, and first fruits. And so the Passover is, the, he has to wait a day. So he, he captures him, and he's going to wait. Now, the, 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 what happens to Peter and what happened to James, two different things. James gets killed, beheaded, and as we read the story, we'll see that Peter gets set free. And the difference, I want you to get this, the difference between Peter 
and James is Peter had a promise and an army. Don't you get that? Peter had a promise and an army. <clears throat> now, because he saw that it, it pleased the Jews, he takes Peter, but he has to wait a day. And that's the difference because James, he took and killed him right away, and the people didn't have time to gather together for prayer as prayer support. He didn't have a prayer, what we call a, a prayer shield. He didn't have a team. He didn't have an army of people praying for him. But when Peter was taken, well, the scripture says there in verse 5, Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. So the church gathered to pray for Peter, and they had not been able to gather to pray for James. But Peter had something else, too. And he had this army of people praying for him. And I want to just kind of, could I just say this to you? Get an army. You need an army. And you get an army by being around the body of Christ, by, by engaging with people, getting in a small group. That's how you get an army. You just, be, you, you get connected with people. Now, Peter, obviously, he's the leader of the church, so when they hear Peter, everybody knows, and he has an army instantly. But not, but not everybody's a leader of the church, and everybody needs an army. But I can tell you this. There are people in this church that if something happens, they have an army, and they're not leaders in the church. But they're people connected. They're, they're people you want praying for you because they're those kinds of people. And people who are praying people, people who are engaged with people so they can pray and pray for people are people who have an army themselves. But when you hear, oh, they're going through something, they're needing something, there's a whole army of people going, yeah, let's pray. And they just automatically are linked in because they're the kind of people that have linked in. They've made a choice to encircle themselves with people who pray and they become an army themselves, part of the army themselves. They're, they're giving, they're serving, and they're giving out as well. Now, we, we don't, the, the, the church goes to prayer. The question kind of is, you don't know, but did they, could they have done this for James? But maybe they weren't ready for it. Maybe they weren't prepared for it. Maybe they weren't engaged in prayer yet. You see, we don't learn to be great prayers by hearing a sermon or reading a book. It is the pressure that produces passionate prayer. The pressure produces. James is dead. Uh-oh, God maybe isn't protecting all of us disciples now. We better pray. Because they're going for Peter, and we're probably next on the list. And all of a sudden, there's passionate prayer. That's true in our lives. A lot of times, people, we don't pray passionately until something happens, a crisis, something that, a pressure that causes us to get on our knees. People will often say, I don't really know how to pray. Then a crisis comes, they learn how to pray really fast. 
all of a sudden they're praying with fervency and passion and you know they're they're calling out to God and they 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 learn you learn how to pray more by praying than be taught being taught how to pray now there's teaching and there's ways to learn things and there's scriptural insight to prayer that helps you but the fact is the majority of prayer that is learned is learned by praying and it's usually learned because you have nowhere else to go and but the thing is, God should never be our last resort. He should always be our first. And, and the church should go to, 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 to God first, and we should be going to God first. We shouldn't have to wait for a crisis. But God is going to teach you how to pray, whether you like it or not. And if he has to take you through crisis to get there, you will learn to pray. He will teach you to pray. You need to learn to pray. Someone said, much of our prayers are powerless because it lacks earnestness. Too often we almost pray with the attitude of wanting God to care about things we really don't care too much about ourselves. Now, so here's Peter. He's in prison, and, the, and, uh, and there's, he's got these soldiers. There's uh, four squads, and... What you have is he's got two soldiers um, chained to him, one on each arm, okay? So he's got a soldier on each arm chained to him, and then he has two soldiers, one so, so, two soldiers at the doors to protect him. From what? Well, maybe the disciples are going to try to sneak him out or what have you. Herod wants to make sure he doesn't, because it kind of happened before, um, they were put in prison and got out, so doesn't want to make sure it doesn't happen again, so... It says in verse 6, and when Herod was about to bring him out, that night Peter was sleeping. What? So Peter is going to be killed the next day, and Peter is sleeping. Now I want you to think about the Peter who's sleeping when he's going to be killed the next day. It's the same guy when a little servant girl comes to him and says, aren't you one of those followers of, of Jesus? He goes, not me, not me. He denies the Lord. Goes in hiding, you know, because they might be persecuting. It's that Peter now that he's got these soldiers right next to him. As he's in prison, they're going to kill him the next day. And he goes, so, hey, you guys don't mind. I, I had a long day. I'm going to go to sleep. I'm going to rest. He says, I, yeah, wake me up in the morning, all right? He goes to sleep. He, he isn't up going, you know, crying out to God. He isn't up, you know, whining at God and saying, God, why is this happening to me? You know, I've been your servant. I've been preaching for you, all of this. He's not that guy now. Something has changed in Peter. He's grown up. He's mature. He's a mature follower of Jesus Christ. And he is resting. He is resting. See, it says, he was bound with two chains between two soldiers, and the guards before the door were keeping, his, his, keeping the prison, and he is asleep. Now, Peter has something I call a gift. And I call it a gift. It's not in the sense that God just pushed it on him, but he got it through mature growth as a follower of Jesus. It's it's sometimes called passive faith or resting faith. 
resting faith. See, passing faith is, is di- passive faith is different than active faith. And resting faith is different than warring faith. And we need both. See, he's got a group who's warring, but he's not warring. He is resting. Peter is resting because Peter has a promise. I like that. Peter has a promise. Hey, will you say that? Peter has a promise. Peter has a promise. Peter has a promise, and because Peter has a promise, Peter can rest. Because he's got, a, he's got an army that they have, they have warring faith. You have warring faith. If you have warring faith and you have resting faith, you're going to have an angel. Because that's, yeah, you have warring faith and you have resting faith, you're going to have a miracle. And what's going on right now is Peter has this resting faith because he has a promise. What promise? Well, Jesus had talked to him. Remember when he had, after, Jesus, after Peter had um, denied the Lord, then Jesus meets him and he calls him. Remember the, the restoration where he asked him, Peter, do you love me? And he asked him three times and he kept saying, you know, feed my sheep, feed, feed my lambs. You know, get back to, to doing what you're called to do, Peter. And uh, in, in the context of that, he made this statement to Peter. He prophesied about his future. He told him in John chapter 21, verse 18, he said, I'm going to read it to you. He said, most assuredly, I say to you, when you were young, you girded yourself and walked where you wish. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. And he's talking about, in fact, the the next phrase says that, that the disciples understood what he was talking about. He was talking about the kind of death that Peter would have. And that Peter did, in fact. We know by tradition that Peter died of crucifixion. In fact, when they came to crucify him, like he said, do not, do not kill me in the same way. I don't want to die in the same way of my Lord. I'm not worthy of that. And they turned him upside down and, and did it. But Peter had this, had this promise. Peter, you're going to get old. And when you do, this is how you're going to die. So, Peter's in prison, right? He's, he's in prison. Now, James has already died. So here's, here's what the enemy is trying to do. Enemy comes to Peter and says, you're going to die tomorrow. You know, enemy whispers at him, just like I killed James, I'm going to kill you. You're gone. And here's Peter. Oh, yeah, right. I'm going to go take a nap. Why? had a promise he knew exactly he knew God Jesus had told him you see it didn't matter the situation he didn't know it didn't matter he's in prison he's not going to be there for long because Jesus says he's going to be able to go wherever he wants only at the end of his life will he be bound and that's when he will be killed and he's going to be old when it happens so Peter you don't have to worry about it between now and then and so Peter is in this situation where the, all of Rome is going, we're going to kill you. And he goes, ah, I'm not dying. Can't take me out until the Lord says he can. I'm not going anywhere until the Lord says. And that attitude is, that, that attitude is a faith-filled confidence 
that causes Peter to rest. See, you and I need both warring faith and resting faith. And they're two different things. Warring faith is, really, we want to get to resting faith. But all of us have to go through warring faith. Warring faith isn't that full assurance of faith the Bible talks about. Having the full assurance of faith is the kind of faith that just, you know, you're going to die tomorrow. Yeah, right. I'm going to take a nap. I'm tired. I had a long day. I'm not going to sit up worrying about tomorrow. I'm not going to fret about tomorrow. I'm not going to cry about tomorrow. I'm fine. I'm in God. Now, warring faith is, uh uh-oh, they got Peter. They're going to kill him. We got to do something. Let's pray. Let's press in. And they call a prayer meeting, and they're pressing in. And they're not fully assured, but they've got enough faith to pray. Now, most of the time, that's where we are. We have enough faith to pray. And that's not, that's not a negative at all. That's where we live most of our life. Things come up. We get bad news. We get situations. We have a friend that is hurting. We have these things in our life that come our way, and we pray for them, and we're warring for them, but we're not fully assured yet. That's why we're praying, and that's why we're... Now, we have faith, but it isn't the full faith of it's done. And it's one of the ways, in fact, we get there. But resting faith is is found on, has to have a promise. Peter had a promise. You need to get a promise. You need to get an army and you need to get a promise. Well, where do you get a promise? Well, where did Peter get his promise? He got it from Jesus. He was hanging around Jesus. Jesus said, let me tell you what's gonna happen, and Jesus gave him a promise. You hang around Jesus, he'll give you promises. You hang around his word, you listen to his word, you read his word, and you hang around him, and you connect with Jesus, Jesus will give you promises. There are over 7,000 promises in the New Testament. I mean, in the Bible. And they're for you. They're for you. The promises of God, the scripture says, are yes and amen. They're for you, the promises of God. And how you get them is not that they're in the scripture, but you get them as as the Holy Spirit attaches them to your soul. You're reading the scriptures, and all of a sudden the scripture pops out, this promise pops out, and it's exactly, it's what you've been warring for. It's what you've been battling for. It's what's been been concerning you. It's what you've been worrying about. It's what you've been, and all of a sudden that scripture, and you take that scripture, and now that becomes your problem because the Holy Spirit has just illuminated to you. See, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the rhema of God. There's two, two main words for faith, I mean for wor- the word in the Bible, logos and rhema. Logos is the written word, rhema is the spoken word. 
It's the spoken word of God. So faith comes by the spoken, the rhema of God. It's where God takes the logos and speaks it to your heart. That becomes rhema. That's when faith is arise and you have a promise. Now you can stand on that promise. And as you stand on that promise, you become eventually fully assured. And now when that situation that you have a promise for arises, you say, I'm going to go to sleep. I can rest. I'm not worried. The worry's gone. You see? And you can see that, that happen. You, you, you have concerns for your kids, and you don't know what's going to happen, but you get this assurance from God's word, this promise about his restoration of your family. And all of a sudden, you, you, you allow that, and pretty soon it gets into your soul. And, 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 and you're warring, and you're battling, and you're, and you're pressing in, and then all of a sudden, oh, God, God's going to take care of this one. I'm going to go take a nap. You get the restful assurance. And that's a gift that you get from God. He's got it, he's got it taken care of. Because we spend much too much time in prison. Much too much time in prison waiting to get out and fretting the whole time. And as we're fretting, the angel has already kind of opened things up and we're ready to go. And um, I want you to see what happens here. It says, um, well, before I do that, I want to I bring this point to us. Peter rested in Christ's promise, but he also rested in his eternal hope. And I want you to see the difference here. At one point, Peter came to the full assurance of faith that Jesus was enough for him. That's what every believer has to come to. Every, every Christian, in fact, to be a Christian, you have to come to the place where you're fully assured that what Jesus did for you was enough. See, my, my eternal home is heaven. I... My, my, I am saved completely because of the work of Jesus Christ. He died on the cross for me and he paid the price for me. And because he paid that price for my soul, I don't have to, I don't have to earn it. I don't have to be unsure of what's going to happen. I can, I can take a nap. I can go to sleep. I can rest. I rest in faith. I already know I'm taken care of eternally because Jesus has paid the price for me. That's, that's one you have to have you have to have, that's because that's the only means of salvation is through Jesus Christ. And you can't earn that. It's a rest. Bible talks about that in Hebrews chapter four. There's a rest of faith and you rest in it. It's done, accomplished in Jesus. I have to fight for it. I have to be a religious fanatic for it. I have to do, I can simply rest in what Jesus has done. But if, if I'm going to take and live out that rest. Am I going to experience it in other areas of my life? Then I have to grow in that rest in my life in the other areas of my life. Because even though I can have full assurance I'm going to get to heaven, I can, I can be totally freaked out that, you know, that my job is not that secure. 
or, you know, or my kids are making some bad decisions, or I can just totally be freaked out because, you know, I just not, the, the doctors, you know, said I need, they need to see me and I need to get some x-rays or something, right? I can live my life freaked out and have assurance that I'm going to heaven, which is a good assurance to have. I mean, it still makes a huge difference. But God wants us to live faith in faith and rest in him in all of our life. He wants us to operate in that in our life. And so then in verse 7 it says, Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and the light shone in the prison, and he struck Peter on the side. Now the angel is not being very gentle with him. He strikes him on the side. Get up. He says, raise up, he says, get up. And he says, rise quickly. I'm not a morning person. I'm a slow riser, you know. My wife, God gave that curse to me. My wife wakes up cheerful with energy and wakes the whole house up and, um, and could care less that you're sleeping. But, but she, you know, this, this, Peter's, he's not a morning person, I guess, because, well, it's kind of still night, but he gets whacked, and he says, arise, get up, and go. Why? Well, because the angel's worried that they're going to find out. The angels don't want to be confronted by the guy. There's the angel afraid of the, of, of the soldiers. No way. You don't mess with angels, right? Was it 100? 183,000 Assyrians killed by one angel one night. They're mean dudes. Right? You don't mess with them. So he's not, he's, not a, he's not getting the move quick because he's nervous about being found out. He's getting to move quick because he's got a lot to do. See, Peter's been wasting time in prison. We got to get you out of here, Peter. It's time for you to get out of prison. It's time for you to get going. We have things to do, people to meet, places to go. You got kingdom work, brother. We got to get you going. Quick, get your stuff. Get your stuff, all your stuff. And so that's what he does. He tells him to get his clothes and get his shoes and he gets all this stuff and he's starting to, you know, to get all this stuff. But here, he says, the chains fell off his hands. The angel said to him, gird yourself and tie on your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, put on your garment and follow me. So he went out and followed him and did not know that what, has do- what, what was done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. And when they were past the first and the second guard post, they came to the iron gates and, the, and, and that leads to the city, which opened to them of its own accord, and they went out and went down one street. Immediately the angel departed from him, and it says, and when Peter had come to himself. Peter thought this was a dream. And all of a sudden he realizes, this isn't a dream, this is real. Then the angel says, get all your stuff. Why? Because you're not leaving anything behind. You've been in prison, but you're not leaving your stuff. You don't leave your stuff in prison. You take it with you. You take that joy. You take that peace. You take that faith. You take that all with you. You're leaving prison, and prison isn't going to have any more attachment to you. You're free. 
And Peter's not sure. It's not real to him yet. See, some of you, some of you have been sleeping in prison, but you, you haven't gotten out. The doors are open, the gates are open, and you're still there. You're still bound by your past when Jesus has already set you free. And it's time for you to get out and get up and get going and stop lingering because God has a lot of stuff for you to do. He's got a plan for you. He's got purpose for you. He's got, he's got life ahead for you. And you've been allowing it to happen to you. Others of us, we, you know, some of you, 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 you're, you've been awakened. You can't, you've come to yourself. Have, have some of you had this experience where you go, you know, I never even prayed about that, but it looks like Jesus took it out of my life, that thing that was bothering me, that thing that I was, I, it's just gone. You know that bad habit I have? I don't have it anymore. Remember those thoughts I just couldn't get rid of? I don't even think them anymore. You know that temptation that just I struggled with? I'm not even tempted that way anymore. I don't, that doesn't even bother me. I don't even want it anymore. What happened? Well, while you were sleeping, Jesus opened the prison. And now you're out and you're awakening to what God has already done for you. And, you know, and the angel would say to you, or God would say to you, hurry up. Get going. Stop lingering. You've got things to do. God has a purpose for you. He has a plan for you. Now, so Peter gets going. He figures, I'm going to go talk to everybody. I'm going to go down to the church. He says, so, um, so when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. And as Peter knocked on the door of the gate, the girl Rhoda came and answered. And when she recognized Peter's voice, because of her gladness, she did not open the gate. How you do, Peter? She gets so excited, she forgets to open the door. But she ran, ran in and announced that Peter stood before the gate. Now, they're praying for Peter to be free. They're all praying, oh, Jesus, free Peter. Free, free, free him, Lord, free him. And she comes, she says, Peter's here. And they go, you're beside yourself. Now, that's an odd term. You're beside, I've always wondered about that term. You're kind of beside yourself. So which one is you? This one or the one that's beside you? You're beside yourself. So she says, she says, she she keeps on insisting. And when she keeps on insisting, no, it is Peter. Peter's here. This is her answer. Now, tell me how odd this is. They're all praying for Peter to be set free. They say Peter is here. She says, Peter's at the gate. She, they say, that's his angel. Now, that would be the first thing that came to your mind, right? No, it's not really Peter, it's his angel. Now, are these people who have restful faith? I don't think so. I, I, I mean, they're, 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 they're hoping and praying and believing that Peter's going to get set free. I mean, they are doing that, but they don't have when it actually happens, they don't even believe it. They're saying, you're just, you're, you're, you know, you're just delirious. He can't be free. He's in prison, else we wouldn't be praying for him to be set free if he wasn't in prison. So he's, still, he's in prison. 
And we're praying that he'll be out of prison. But he's here. And he's here because God has answered your prayer. We spend a lot of time in our life warring prayer. And we're, we're, we're praying, we're asking God to do things, and it's not that we have the full assurance of faith, and that's okay. It's sometimes in the process, sometimes it's in the battle that we grow. And sometimes it's in that process as we're seeking the promises of God to, make, to, to battle, to do warfare, to break through in prayer that we get the promise that helps us to get to the place where we have full assurance of faith. Now I want you to know that it's different. And when a person has full assurance of faith, it's different than the person who goes, oh yeah, I just believe God's going to take care of everything. No, you don't. You know, people just go, yeah, yeah, I just trust God and everything. That's in the... No, you don't. Because as soon as a, as a problem, as soon as the doctor calls you or, you know, or, or, you know, you get that notice or whatever happens, all of a sudden, you're freaking out. The same person says, yeah, I trust God and everything. No, you're freaking out because you didn't really trust God in that thing. You didn't really trust God in that thing. That's, you just made this blanket assumption that you really don't fully believe. But when you have got a promise and you've attached it to an area and a situation in your life, then all of a sudden, when that's happened, now you truly have faith and you truly are resting in that. God wants to take us and get us to that place in our life, where we really have, we, when the enemy comes and says, oh, it's over for you. The devil makes, comes and says, gives you lies, that he tells you it's, you know, you're done, you know, what the doctors are saying, or whatever, you know, whatever your, your spouse is saying, or whatever, you know, your security, whatever your bank statement is saying, it doesn't matter. When the enemy comes along, you have that assurance, and you just go, oh, yeah. I don't, I don't believe you. You don't believe him. You don't even have to engage in him. You don't even have to tell him anything. You just, you just, I'm, I'm not being bothered by him. That's just a voice. I have the word of God. And I'm trusting that for my assurance, my security, my faith. Scripture says, that Peter, they let him in. <laughs> and uh, he told them everything. Because that's what you're supposed to do. Some of you have been bound by fear. You're still in prison. You need to rest in God. Take the promises of God. Get free. See, and once you do, once Jesus frees you, tell everybody. Just tell everybody. Everybody needs to know.
Let's pray. Father, thank you. Your grace is amazing, Lord. Your promises are true. Lord, I know that um, in this room there are people who've not given their life to you. And Lord, to have faith like that, that kind of confidence in you and your word is not available without, Lord, you. And so, Lord, I, I just ask that you touch their hearts right now if you haven't already. If you're here right now and you've never given your life to Jesus, I just want you to know you need to. You need Jesus in your life. Life is better with Christ. So I want to encourage you. You can just, today, you can, you can say yes to the Lord and you can pray a simple prayer. Just pray, dear God, I invite Jesus into my life as my Savior. Jesus, I ask you to cleanse my soul from all of my sin. I believe that you paid the price for my sin. You died on the cross for me. And you conquered death. And I receive you as my Savior. Although I might not understand it all, I want you. And I ask you to come into my life and help me to follow you from now on. In Jesus' name I pray. In Jesus' name I pray. I believe that there are many of us this morning, you need to run out of the prison. You need to get out of the prison. It's time for you to say goodbye to the prison. God has freedom for you. Chains have been broken already by the blood of Jesus Christ. Doors have been opened already. He is the door. Jesus Christ has made the way. You have to get up and get going. Take your stuff and leave and do what God has for you. Stop looking back. Stop holding, letting those lies and deceive, deceptive words from the devil hold you back. Some of you need to get completely free from the fears that have just been binding you. It's time for you just to move on. Move on past your fears. Stop letting the devil continually bring worries and anxieties against you and lies and you keep in entertaining them. Tell them to get lost and get going. Get out of your prison. God wants more for you. He has a plan for you. He's been working nonstop on your behalf. He, has, he, wants, he wants so much more for your life. Let him have it. Father, just bless my brothers and sisters. We're going to close in worship. We're going to do two things, of course, in worship as we do. We're going to worship with the works of our hands. That means the ushers are going to be passing the offering bucket. If you want to give, do that. We just want to bless the Lord. And we want to bless the Lord with the, from our heart as we worship in song and worship the Lord. And so, um, Father, I pray you bless as we bring our gifts to you and worship and as we bring our hearts to you in exaltation. Lord, I pray, be honored and blessed in Jesus' name. Amen.